This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm Podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be taking an inside look at the A's top picks from the 2022 draft. We'll be talking with the man in charge of it all for the A's, Scouting Director Eric Kubota, who's now in his 21st season as the A's Scouting Director. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Eric. My pleasure, Bill. So, uh, obviously, we want to talk to you today about uh, some of your top draft picks from this year's draft. But before that, I did want to just start out by asking you about two of your most recent first-round picks. And those are Tyler Soderstrom, who was was your first-round pick in 2020, and then shortstop Max Muncy, who was your first-round pick just last year. You know, they were both high school picks who have gotten off to great starts in their pro careers. Muncy... Was uh, is just 19 years old still, got off to a great start at Stockton, is now doing well at High A Lansing as a teenager, and uh, Soderstrom was just promoted to Double A Midland today, and he's still just 20. So can you just talk a little bit about what you guys saw when you were first scouting those guys and, and what you feel about their development since they've uh, entered the pro game? Yeah, I mean, I think in in both their cases, they were pretty advanced high school players. I mean, there was upside to their games. Um, you know, Tyler, we had a, a really strong feeling about his bat, um, you know, obvious, which is obviously his calling card. I mean, we think there's solid defense there, but uh, we definitely had a strong feeling about his bat and the upside there. Um, certainly um, where he's gotten to, you know, in his short career has kind of um, validated our feelings so far, but we think there's so much left to Tyler, you know, as he continues to mature as a player. Um, as far as Max, I mean, it was similar uh, in that he's he had some polish um, to his game. Um, I think what surprised us with Max is just how good of an athlete, how dynamic of an athlete he is. Um, we test across the minor league system, you know, on just pure athleticism, and, and Max was way up there in those rankings, which surprised us a little bit. But um, I think, you know, the power's obviously uh, – the, the slugging and, and the power has been, been um, kind of his calling card thus far this year offensively. And, I mean, I, I, I'd i be lying if I didn't say that that surprised us a little bit. I mean, we thought he'd have power, but uh, um, but I do think it reflects kind of his athleticism and the strength and, and the work he has put in to continue to get stronger over the last year. Well, fortunately, they're both two young first-round draft picks who who appear to be on the fast track in their pro careers anyway, so uh, that's always great to see. So let's talk about this year's draft. Your first-round pick this year was the catcher Daniel Susak out of Arizona, and uh, he's kind of a big power-hitting catcher with a 
with a strong arm, and I think a lot of people expected him to maybe not be available by the time you guys had a chance to pick. So can you tell me what made you so uh, eager to uh, take him with your first uh, first round pick this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we were uh, with a lot of those people that you mentioned about him <laughs> not thinking he was going to get to us, so we were um, certainly pleasantly surprised when he did. Um, another, just a, a quick tidbit on Daniels, is he and and Tyler basically grew up playing together. They're both from the, the Central Valley. Um, they're the same age, you know, same year in school. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think what you mentioned, I mean, we see upside both in the defense and the offense for Daniel. Um, you know, he's only had two years. He's a, he was an age-eligible sophomore, only two years of, of really of college experience. And um, we think there's a chance for a plus defender. We really like the bat, and we definitely like the power. And so we really think it's a chance for an all-around package behind the plate. I know he's a big guy. I think he's like 6'4", so um, he's uh, obviously got some strength there. You know, I, I think he started out as a switch hitter, and then I guess he's mainly been hitting right-handed primarily. Do you look at him as a switch hitter or a right-handed hitter going forward? No, it's, it's funny you say that. In high school, he definitely would have ABs where he would hit left-handed, but um, I think primarily he's been a right-handed hitter for at least the last year, so we certainly see him as a right-handed hitter Um We'll see if he breaks out this uh, left-handed swig at any point uh, in the near future. But for now, we certainly see him as a right-handed hitter. Okay, cool. And, and you know, he seems like a pretty advanced player who could maybe step in at a, at a higher level, maybe at a, at a Lansing or something. I mean, do you feel he's pretty well advanced at this stage of the game anyway? Well, I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, obviously his brother, you know, he, he's had the the um, the – the fact that he's basically been around his brother who caught with the Giants in the big league. So he's kind of a step ahead and just having ex- experientially to a certain, mm-hmm. because, because of what his brothers went through. Um, but I mean, I think we kind of feel like, you know, the, the, the schedule kind of takes care of itself and they, they move when they're supposed to move. So we'll, we'll ser- see where he starts. You know, what's important to us is where he ends and that when he, when he ends there, it's the right time to be there. Uh, yeah, certainly those baseball bloodlines help. Uh, <laughs> just having that uh, experience close to you from someone who's played in the major league game. Do you have a, a comp for uh, for him? I have one uh, one funny one uh, because a couple of our guys, well, both Billy Bean and then Chris Patero uh, played with Bob Melvin in the minor leagues, and they they both mentioned how um, physically and defensively um, Daniel kind of reminds them of Bob Melvin. So, uh, <laughs> and then. Um, a couple of our scouts mentioned Tyler Stevenson for a more for a more modern name. I, I was going to say I love Bob Melvin, but I I will say I hope he turns out to be a, a bit of a better hitter than Bob Melvin anyway. Yeah, but <laughs> Bob, Bob was a good so, <laughs> uh, so okay, so let's move on to the second round. With your second round pick, you took the uh, high school outfielder Henry Bolt out of Palo Alto. He seems like he's a big high school kid with big power and plenty of speed, but uh, but obviously he's you know a, a very raw talent at, at this point. So tell me a little bit about what you what you see out of Henry Bolt. First, yeah, I, I I'm in the same camp. I just should let you know they pronounce it Bolty. So oh, was, okay, sorry. Like like yeah, like Nick Nolte, I guess. So <laughs> I was corrected on this myself. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, certainly what you mentioned. I mean, there's a ton of upside to Henry's game. Um, he's super athletic. Um, he can really run. And the raw power is 
really off the charts. I mean, it's it's incredible raw power. I mean, um, he displays it in batting practice and in games. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call him um, really raw. Um, I just think it's just um, there's development needed to kind of tap into all of it. I, when you watch him play, um, you know, the basic swing and, and all of the mechanics are, are actually have some polish to it. It's just, you know, approach related and trying to figure out which pitches to, to try and damage and kind of pitch selection and things like that. All things that, you know, we think will develop with experience in the minor leagues. Uh, I know he's a big guy, but because of his speed, do you see him having the potential to to stick in center field potentially? We definitely do. I mean, he's tall, but he's more, uh, I would call him more rangy than big. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's um, kind of tall. I wouldn't say exactly lean, but he's more, um, he's not wide, I right. guess is the best way to put it. So uh, we definitely see him as a center fielder long term. Um, obviously, we have... Um, others in the in the organization so all of that kind of shakes itself out but he certainly has the athleticism we believe to, to stay in center field uh and did you have a comp to offer on him um another uh, guy from the to, from the south bay mitch Haniger, uh mm-hmm. to a certain degree so mm-hmm. that was one one of our scouts brought up i mean i'm i think we've had this discussion before all my comps are from my childhood like in the <laughs> 70s so I, I had a little bit of Dale Murphy on my mind. <laughs> well, we'll take Dale Murphy. If anyone remembers Dale Murphy, <laughs> I do, and we will definitely take Dale Murphy. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Any, any day of the week. Um, all, all right. So after the second round, you had a competitive balance pick there, and you went with uh, outfielder Clark Elliott out of Michigan. And it seems like he's a, a good, uh, solid college bat who, who's got some speed. And I know this past season he he started showing some power where he really hadn't showed much power before. So I'm curious to see to see if you think that that power is still likely to develop and be part of his game and, and what you like about Clark Elliott. First and foremost, he's a hitter. Um, we really really like the hitter. Um, we think he was one of the better hitters in college baseball this year. Um, like you said, the power did um, show itself a little uh, this spring, and I mean it certainly. You know, I think we've always been of the belief that the good hitters kind of come into their power. I mean, the ability mm-hmm. to center the baseball up translates to power once you learn, you know, trajectories and things like that. And I, I think we feel like Clark has the, that ability to, to, you know, make power definitely a part of his game. So, which it was at Michigan this year too. So I shouldn't say mm-hmm. that that would be anything new. But uh, we, first and foremost, we really love the bat. Uh, yeah, he certainly seems to to be a guy who can uh, put the put the bat on the ball pretty consistently, which is always good to see. Um, did you have a comp for Clark Elliott? Um, you know, Michael Brantley. I mean, that that you know, comparing him to one of the best hitters in baseball is a <laughs> is definitely a strong. You know, it 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 it's kind of um, I guess optimistic on my part to a certain degree, but their their games have a lot of similarities. I know uh, Elliot's played a lot of right field in college, but do you see him to to have center field potential as well with the speed he's got? We definitely think he has the athleticism athleticism to do it. Um, he'd been primarily an infielder throughout his baseball career, so um, you know he's just getting his feet wet in the outfield, and and we do think he has the athleticism to also play center field. 
Uh, okay, cool. So uh, now in the third round, you took another outfielder, outfielder Kobe Thomas out of Kobe Thomas out of Mercer, and uh, he seems like a, a pretty solid power hitting outfielder. I know he had a shoulder injury, and I think he's expected not to play the rest of this season. But tell me a little bit about uh, what you like about Colby, Colby Thomas. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, I mean, power is, is Colby's calling card. He's a really good athlete. I mean, he can he can really run and throw. Um, but really what sets him apart in our eyes is, is the power potential. I mean, his exit velos were elite. Um, you know, the information, the data that we had, um, this is one of those guys where really our analytics team and our scouts kind of came together on a guy that was maybe not as highly thought of throughout the industry. And that's, that's why he were, he went where he went in the draft. But, um, we really like the upside with the power with Colby. Cool. So, so there were no money ball draft table arguments over Colby Thomas then, I guess. No. <laughs> uh, there, there's, always, there, there's always draft table arguments. So. <laughs> that, that happens all the time. That's that's the nature of what we do. So, so uh, now, do you have a do you have any uh, comps to offer on Colby Thomas? Uh, I thought a little bit of, of Randall Grichuk, mm-hmm. kind of a, a athletic right-handed hitter with with with, with power. Okay, so now in the fourth round, uh, you took your first pitcher of this year's draft, and that was right-hander Jacob Waters out of West Virginia. And it seems like he's a strong power arm, maybe has some command issues, but certainly has the stuff. Tell me what uh, made you want to make him your first pitcher uh, picked in this year's draft. Yeah, I I think the thing that jumped out out at you with Jacob is the physicality and the stuff. I mean, the guy who's touched 100 uh, when out of the bullpen, um, we do think there's a, a plus breaking ball in there. We just think there's a lot of upside physically. Um, you know, you, you hear it bannered about a lot, but you know, we, we just feel like it's it's kind of a, a big arm talent to put into the system, and uh, just see what Gil Patterson and his his staff can do with him. Do you foresee him more as a starter or as a reliever? Do you have any sort of projection on that at this point? I mean, we we think he has the pitches to to start. I mean, you know, and then I think experience and time will will kind of determine where he ends up landing. We just think that, you know, he's a physical guy with with quality pitches, and um, you know, we'll just see where that leads him, you know, in his pro career. And uh, did you have a comp to offer on uh, Jacob Waters? He reminded me a little bit of Brandon Woodruff coming out of college, um, just the same kind of profile, maybe not as much success, you know, collegiately, you know, but uh, a guy with a ton of upside who, who could come on, you know, in, in professional baseball. Okay, cool. Now, in the fifth round, you you took another pitcher after Waters. You took another right-hander, Jack Perkins, out of Indiana. And it seems like he has a similar profile, kind of another power arm, maybe has some command issues that need to be worked on. But tell me uh, what you liked about right-hander Jack Perkins. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit. I mean, there are a lot of similarities between he and Waters, just physicality with really, really good stuff. I mean, he's the guy we liked last year. Um, and he had even really less success last year, you know, moving to Indiana, moving into the, the Friday night starters role. It, it kind of, you know, I think he, he grew into that and, uh, he showed the kind of improvement we were hoping for. And we just, to us, it's kind of the tip of the iceberg, but, but first and foremost, he's a big kid with, with two really good pitches. A lot of people have been saying that the A's in the last few years have been focusing on hitters in the first few rounds and then not really focusing on pitchers till fourth, fifth rounds and, and later on due to the fact that 
pitchers are just harder to project and that you're really better off sort of placing your bets on pitchers, you know, not too high in those first few rounds. Is there any validity to that assessment? Is that anything that, that goes into your thinking at all? It hasn't. I mean, I've, I will say that there's there's been a ton of pitchers that we have liked in the early rounds that for one reason or another, you know, haven't been there when we when we picked. I mean, maybe we're shooting a little high mm-hmm. uh, on the pitchers we like um, in those spots, but um, there's definitely pitches we like. It's, it's not a conscious thought. I will say, you know, the more I do this, and I've been doing it for a long, long time, um, when I see guys like Ken Waldachuk from right out of our backyard who, who you know, ends up being a big part of a, a big major league big major league trade, I mean, I, I just continue to realize how hard it is to project and to, to scout pitching. So right. we're, you know, we're always trying to improve on that. Um, and always trying to get better, just like the 29 other teams. And um, it's definitely not intentional. It's just the way kind of the draft has fallen. And I say that every year, and I know people don't believe me, but it's the truth. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think everyone does want to sort of read a, a certain overriding philosophy into things. And I think from your point of view, it's often just, hey, we're just looking for the best guys we can find, right? <laughs> yeah, generally, if, if you want to know what our philosophy is, it's take, to take who we think is the best guy that was available when it was our turn to pick. So, Right. <laughs> Let's not overthink this here. Okay, so back to the back to the draft. Sixth round, uh, you took Brennan Malone out of Oregon, and uh, he seems like a pretty solid college bat. I know he was listed as a third baseman, but he seems like a guy who maybe – some question about uh, about what his ultimate position might be. Right. Brennan's a guy that we scouted heavily in high school, to be honest. Our scout in uh, in Atlanta, Jamel Spearman, um, liked Brennan a lot out of high school. So we did a, a lot of work on Brennan out of high school. Um, we weren't able to kind of match uh, kind of what we felt up with what it was going to take to sign him out of South Carolina at the time. Um, I think his bat has developed. I mean, it, it took him – it was a winding route to get there a little bit, but um, I, I think the bat that he showed at Oregon this year is kind of the bat that we had expected to see. And and we do think, I mean, we thought he was, you know, had the ability to, to stay on the dirt and play second base or third base in the major leagues. I mean, I think we'll give him every opportunity to do that, but we think worst case scenario is he's somebody that could maybe go to the to first base or the outfield and, and do a fine job. In the seventh round, you took the high school kid LaBoy out of Puerto Rico. Just a teenager, seems like uh, another guy similar to Malone, a guy with a pretty solid bat, uh, but maybe there's a question of where he ultimately ends up position-wise as well. I think with a lot a lot of young players, that's probably the case. I mean, just about everybody that we scout in high school is a shortstop or a center fielder right. or maybe a catcher, really. So right. um, they're all – most of them are moving somewhere. Um, <laughs> but in his case, I mean, he's we just he's another guy that we have very good exit velo data with uh, the information that we receive. We think there's a lot of power upside to him. And, uh, you know, where he lands defensively, time will tell. I, I would imagine that more and more that exit velo data is factoring more and more into your uh, uh, scouting assessments than it did maybe uh, a decade ago. It certainly, yeah, a decade ago, I would have would, might have said, "What are you talking about?" But, or maybe two decades ago. But anyways, I mean, yeah, I mean, as as more and more information becomes available 
you know, anything we can do to, to make a more informed decision, I mean, we're, we're trying to use it. So right. uh, we it probably helps. We probably can't even anticipate what you'll be factoring in uh, 10 years from now. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that'll be somebody else factoring it in 10 years from now. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so in the eighth round, uh, you went back and took another pitcher, right-hander Micah Dallas out of Texas A&M. And uh, it seems like he might be kind of the opposite of Waters and Perkins. He seems like he's more of a polished pitcher, maybe not that big a stuff, but a, but a guy who know who knows how to pitch anyway. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's exactly what kind of I had, you know, in preparation for this, had, had thought in my mind. I mean, uh, he's definitely a much more polished pitcher, um, and it's it's not mundane stuff it's still solid stuff across the board it's just not huge stuff but um you know a guy who really knows how to use what he has uh pitched well at uh, texas a&m this year um and has had a lot of sec experience so uh, certainly an experienced um guy with with the ability to get out now in the ninth round you went back and took another outfielder uh caden trinkle out of oklahoma state he's got a lot of speed seems like a big on-base guy kind of profiles more as a sort of top of the order hitter but not a guy with a lot of power but tell me what uh, you liked about Caden Trinkle yeah it's funny you say that because I saw him in Arizona hit hit at least one home run against Arizona State <laughs> um, but yeah I think you hit hit the nail on the head again I mean he's a, a, a guy with the athleticism and instincts to be a plus defender in center field which uh, has a lot of value in and of itself and he has shown the ability to get on base so um, those are two qualities that we, we certainly value. Uh, now, if I'm correct, you, you haven't signed your 10th and 11th round picks, and, and your 11th round pick was left-hander Christian Opper, who was a high school pitcher, and it's certainly understandable if uh, he's a high school kid and decides he wants to go to college. That, right. That's perfectly understandable. Your 10th round pick was second baseman Brock Rodden out of Wichita State. Looks like a, a good, solid power-hitting second baseman. Uh, but he's a college guy. Seems like the kind of guy who would, probably be perfectly eager to sign. So tell me what the what the uh, situation was with Brock Rodden. I think uh, our thought was exactly what you said. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, you know, at the end of the day, he had a difference of opinion, and, you know, we respect him for that, and uh, he's going to take his chances to try and improve his draft status next year. Before we wrap up, like I said, we always like to cover the, the guys through the first 10 rounds, uh, which we which we have. But I wanted to ask you about one guy, another guy from last year's draft who looks to me kind of like the steal of last year's draft, and that was your fourth-round pick outfielder, Denzel Clark. He's just gotten off to such a, a great start in his first full season here of pro ball. Uh, it's just been hitting so well first at Stockton, now at Lansing. Just looks like a really really promising talent it just looks like you guys really identified a good one and made a really strong pick there in the fourth round last year with Denzel Clark yeah it's nice when they go out and and, and you know make you <laughs> look kind of smart every now and then but uh, you know it's, it's a long ways to go but I mean Den's first and foremost is just a great person um, anybody who's met him roots roots for him and if you see him physically I mean, he's everything you'd, you'd want to see it in, in a center field athlete. I mean, he, he's so physical, and um, I think more than anything, we're all really happy for the success he's finding. And we always felt like um, it was experience that he needed as much as anything. And, you know, for him to, to go to the Futures game was just a, a, you know, a testament to the hard work he's put in. It made a lot of people happy here in Oakland. 
Yeah, I mean, he's certainly one of those guys that obviously had the raw tools. He's got the power. He's got the speed. And I, there was always a question of him just putting it together. But it seems like he figured figured a lot out pretty quickly anyway and made, made everybody's job a little easier. <laughs> so, so far. So far. But he's still got a ways to go. So, um, yeah, but I'm, we're certainly happy that he's, he's gone out and done well and um, you know, wish nothing but the best for him. Yeah, certainly a, a long way from a high A to the major leagues, but uh, yeah. a good start doesn't hurt anyway. So. For sure, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us today about this year's draft. Uh, it looks like another good one, and uh, hopefully there's another uh, Tyler Soderstrom and Max Muncy in there, uh, Denzel Clark perhaps too, that we could talk about again next year. But uh, we always appreciate you talking to us and uh, giving us your uh, insights on your uh, draft picks, Eric. No problem, Bill. I, I enjoyed it. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 